Welcome back to the Team Talk with Tom and Jack. I'm Tom. And I'm Jack. And this is episode two. It is. We host this podcast to help inspire coaches, teachers and parents in order to improve children's well-being together. In this episode, we welcome Amanda Lamb, a TV presenter and mum. We discuss a variety of topics, but the main ones are well-being, work-life balance and parenting. We hope you enjoy it, team. today on the uh, show, got Amanda Lamb. Hello, Hello. Welcome, hi. Amanda. This is really weird because like you look after my children and now I'm like sat in your kitchen going, oh, this is, this is odd. We're very excited, aren't we? We've got a lot, <laughs> we've got a lot to look at, we've got a lot to look at, so we're going uh, to gonna jump straight in, I think, aren't we? I think we are. Yeah. So um, we know a little bit about you because obviously our unique relationship, mm-hmm. having coached your, and, and taught your children. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to begin with is your earliest experience of a sports day yep. uh, experience. Uh, if you'd like to elaborate, yeah, an interesting story to tell. I've got yeah. My my very first sports day would have been when I was in reception. So I was at Trosnan Infant School down on the south coast near Portsmouth. And back in those days, it wasn't that those days. I am really old. I'm really old. Back in those days, back in the dark ages, there wasn't any of this. Everyone's a winner thing. It was you were first, second, or third. Yeah. And I can it's one of my earliest memories. And and funnily enough, when I was driving here today, I was thinking a lot of the memories that I have as a child were were very much sport related. Mm. Um and I did the egg and spoon race, that classic. Classic. Sack race. Classic. Yeah. Um, and just a running race. And I won every single one. And I had three little red rosettes with a one on them and I remember that immense feeling of of pride even at that age Mm. you know of having these red rosettes on and kind of walking back from school and thinking yeah I did it you know and I think that was probably where the love of sport and what it did for me as a child in terms of confidence and ability it was probably that very first sports day I can even remember kind of the smell of the field and yeah. where it was and yeah. it was a sunny day and, you know, where all the parents were standing. It's like looking at a movie and that was, oh God, 42 years ago. I am that old, people. So, yeah, I'm 47 now and that was, yeah, I was five when I did it. Because, I mean, you also had another, conversely, you know, quite a mm. unique experience uh, with, with with swimming. Yes. Maybe if you'd like to... Yeah, so, again, in, in that year... Um, we had gone on holiday to the Isle of Wight to a caravan park and neither of my parents could swim. Right. So none of us were ever taught. You know, nowadays, babies are bobbing around in pools yeah. at, you know, six months old, aren't they? But as 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 a child of the 70s, par- my parents just, they hated it. They hated the water. Um, and so they never swam, so they never took us swimming. And we were on holiday in a caravan park and it was at the time when... Um, there was a, a TV programme called The Man from Atlantis, which I guess nowadays would be like Aquaman. Right. Um, yeah, it was Patrick Duffy, yeah. yeah. Um, and he could swim underwater. And I was in a swimming pool and my parents were on the side and I was bobbing around. I had a little rubber ring on and, you know, I was just doing what kids do. And I probably got a bit leery and I thought, oh, I don't need this. So I took it off. Yeah. Um, and then I slipped and I went under the water right. and I was under there for, I don't know how long, but because Patrick Duffy swam underwater and could breathe and talk <laughs> and everything, I thought I could do the yeah. same. So I was yeah. just breathing normally. Oh, so obviously my lungs were filling with water. Oh, right. 
And I, again, can remember there was a white bar and I was trying to reach the bar. And every time I went for it, there were so many kids in that pool. It was like kids soup, you know, there's like yeah, thousands yeah, yeah. of them. <laughs> and every mean, time yeah. I went, I got sucked back in. And then I remember just thinking, oh, this is quite nice. I'm not actually here. I'm in the caravan. So I guess at that point, my brain was... Yeah, shutting yeah, down yeah. or I don't know what was going wow. on but at this point my mum was then like where is she where is she and she could see me on the bottom of the pool so she kind of went yeah, yeah, yeah. my dad jumped in and got me and pulled me out um and I was fine wow. but it's quite weird isn't it because it's like one of my biggest fears for my own children is them drowning yeah obviously yeah, you know yeah, I get yeah. the right heebie-jeebies when I go over a bridge any yeah. anything with deep water don't get me on the Isle of Wight ferry anymore I'm, I'm useless so I made sure that my children learnt to swim from a very early age. Yeah. Um, and for you, how long was it until you went back in the pool after that experience? I probably went back in the next day, I would okay. have thought. You know, it wasn't like... A traumatic kind of like no, phobia setting sort no, of thing. No, no, like, no, 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 no. Although the, deep, the fear of deep water is now still there. I'm not yeah. a great swimmer now. Never have been. Right. Um, I, think, I think it's the same as the sports day incident, isn't it? Whether it's a positive or a negative mm. memory they stand out for very different reasons and they yeah. have a massive, massive sort of impact on everything you do from that point onwards, yeah. which is really interesting if we actually talk about. So you were in the, in the games, mm. four games, and really interestingly, there was a swimming event in that. And, yeah. And, you, you know, you did really well in that. Well, define well, Jack. Well. I mean, like, I didn't win. If, if we I didn't come last. If we look at, if we look, <laughs> yes. if we take that experience with yeah. younger, considering that, that change, I, I mean... You know, to put mm. that memory behind you and use it to spur you on, I think. Yeah. It's a massive thing. So how did you, I guess, what helped you overcome that? And, you know, third place is third place. That's, that's the yeah, yeah. I mean, I think with the swimming, I mean, we did, I think it was eight or nine events, which we can obviously talk about a bit later. But with the swimming, I hated it. Ugh. Mm. That whole, it's just... I'm just not a fan. I'd love to be. You know, sometimes when I go to the gym and I watch people in the pool and they're just powering up and down and they've got yeah. this amazing form and I'm like, oh, look, you're turning your head at the right time and it just all <laughs> looks so effortless. Um, with the swimming there, I just had to keep practising. This project couldn't have started without the sponsorship of Teammates. That's right. Teammates is our sports coaching company that we co-founded back in 2016. For more information, please head to weareteammates.com. Now... Back to the podcast. Yeah, it's really interesting that Sally Gunner was there mm. because obviously she brings a skill set of being uh, an amazing athlete and uh, however many time uh, champion in her, in her sport. Did you? Did she bring or give you any advice for any of the events that you that stuck with you in any way? She taught us the hurdles. Right. So we did hurdles as well, um, and it was just so strange to be in a room with somebody that was you know an olympic yeah. champion it was like oh my god it's sunny gunnell and she just you know just perseverance just keep going don't give up yeah. you know and just when you looked at how all of our trainers you know the amount of hours and time and effort that they put in to be top of their game and i and i kind of try and say that sometimes to the kids you know i obviously don't practice what i preach because i haven't been in a pool since but you know i i say I often say to the girls you know people that have become olympic champions or famous authors or whatever it may be it doesn't just magically happen overnight you don't just wake up and yeah. become a world champion at the 100 meter sprint you have to get up when it's cold and it's wet and you don't want to do it and you just have to keep going yeah, as, uh, as wills knows all too well uh, <laughs> yes uh, as my daughter uh, knows and her mother knows yeah. because i have to get her up and get her ready 
for it. So I'm the one that's dragging her out in the morning. Come on, Jack and Tom are going to be waiting. Hurry up. Yeah, they're doing a brilliant job. Just interesting enough, talking about doing well in the swimming. Mm. Um, and, you know, with, with, with Sally Gunnell there, there's obviously the physical side and, and, and the training that she can help you guys with. Mm. In terms of mentally preparing for it, um, was it the hammer throw? What yeah. was the event? I know we spoke oh, before. Oh, God, there... there were so many events. There were so many events that I think having taken part in that um, program and for, for your listeners that maybe have never seen it before or heard of it before, it was a Channel 4 event. It was a big thing. It was on E4, it was on Channel yeah. 4, it was watched by millions, which yeah. didn't help. Um, that, that's a massive point in itself. Carry on, but yeah. performing in that, that pressure as well. We, we were trained over four months right. so a bit like strictly in all of these kind of events yeah. um we would do two or three different things every week um and it was constant constant training but where i stumbled and where others excelled was on the actual night right. itself the nerves got me um and i was i mean i sucked at a lot of it but i was really good at archery um yeah. when i when i because I did the archery here over really close to where you guys live. Perfect. There's a there's an archery centre just down by oh, yeah. uh, 10 minutes away from here. Oh. And and the archery was interesting because it was one of the last events that we had a go at. And I was really bad at quite a lot of them. And then I picked up this bow and I was like Robin Hood. I mean, I just did it. You know, it, it was really weird. I could just do it. Do you think that was because you were in a, at the start of it, you go, right, clean slate. We're all the scoreboard is there's nothing on the scoreboard. Yeah. And then towards the end of it, you sort of felt a little bit of that pressure go because I guess you don't you've got some of the events out of the way mm. and you know, your performance have been your performance and whether you were pleased with it, disappointed with it, whatever. Do you think by the end of it that you were sort of resigned to this is what's happened, I'm just gonna go for it? And in the archery presented itself an opportunity that you were like, right, I'll just, I'll just do it and show that training because I know that it's difficult sometimes, isn't it, when you're under that pressure to mm. show what you're capable of. It was an interesting... Because we had we had four months of training for all of the events. So before the actual programme started, they were filming us and recording us for all... Every yeah, single right. thing we did, we had a camera on us. Wow. And I can remember in one incident, um, we were doing the 100-metre sprint. So there was myself... Um, Bernie Nolan, God rest yeah. her soul. Um, Javine Hilton, who was the runner-up in Girls Allowed. Yeah. Um, Michelle Gale and a girl called Julia Goldsworthy, who was an MP. So a really random, eclectic mix of people. Yeah. And I remember the 100-metre sprint practice session, very first time we did it. And bearing in mind, you know, talking about when I was a kid, I was really good at sport. Mm. I remember being on the line and, you know, them shouting go or, you know, whatever it was. And everybody, Bernie Nolan included, shot off, like whip it. And I was, I was at the back and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've never been at the back. This is really weird. Mm. And it was a very odd experience. You know, they talk about being on a journey and all of that stuff that reality TV loves to do. But it really was because it taught me an awful lot about myself. Mm. Um... So there were certain things that as soon as we started, I either, I was either really bad at, I was all right at and could improve, mm -hmm. or I excelled at. Yeah. Um, the archery was one. I literally just picked up a boat, boom. drew it, boom. And the guy actually at the time said, 
maybe he was drunk, but he said, um, if you carried on like this and put in enough training, you could do the Olympics in 2012. Wow. Wow. Clearly I didn't. (laughs) But again, but again, the confidence wasn't there. Right. Which is quite interesting because I had bags of it when I was a kid. We were speaking like this the other day, weren't we? And I know there's an example of you, even in, take away the millions of viewers, Mm. take away the cameras, take away the people in the stadium and put your mates there. Mm. I know there was a, and it's happened with me as well, but there was an example where you just were, you know, all the practice just is like, right, forget that. Yeah. Pressure takes over. Absolutely. Mm. No, I had that with, um, I was just teeing off. Got yeah. the course, all the rest of it, but everyone's watching. Yeah. It's just like, oh, however many times I've teed off and all the rest of it. You've played this game so many times before. But something about... Mm. Oh, got That'll be the cough machine. <laughs> <laughs> but something about that time, I just went... And you could just, and feel, you you could just feel the club moving. You could feel the whole thing around it just being like... The pressure just rose within It's me. Yeah, and I found that with a lot of the events. So the archery... I mean, a lot of the events, I was way, way, way behind. But archery, hammer, um, and curling, mm. all of those events were anyone's game. You know, it kind of didn't matter whether you were really fast or mm. whether you, you know, those were events that anyone could have won. Mm. And in theory, I should have won all of them. And I didn't. Yeah. And it was interesting, but it was, it was the pressure on the day. Did they give you any advice to deal with that? Um, only other than just, just try and block everyone out, you know, just, just literally focus on what you're doing because it's obviously, I don't know whether you guys know, but Willow's dad, my husband was a gymnast Mm, and was until he was 18. Um, and he never felt the pressure in competitions and he was, I mean, he bangs on about it forever and he always does it over the round dinner table. I'm like, oh, like he's the second best gymnast in Great Britain, but he was, he was an amazing gymnast, but he was an amazing gymnast because he didn't go to pot when it mattered. Does he say what led to that? He's just got that. He's just got that confidence. Okay. Which I'm in awe of. You know, sometimes he'll walk downstairs and I'll go, God, you look really handsome today. And I'll go, thanks. Whereas if, if, if it was the other way around, if someone said to me, oh, you're looking really lovely to go, oh, really? Oh, this is an old dress. Or, I've sw- I don't have that inner confidence, which people would find quite odd, I guess, because I've presented TV forever yeah. and all the rest of it. But the, the actual confidence itself, I don't have. And I think that's probably why when I started in sport mm. or when I did the games, it went. Yeah, but it's, I mean... It's really interesting the parallels to be drawn, I think, between sport and um, live TV. Mm. Um, so uh, we've seen you many times on there. I know you're on there a lot on the right stuff. Yeah. And um, Tom and I have been, uh, discussed this before. And so in, there are some games of football, for example, that I'm playing. There, there might not be any spectators mm. because no one cares. Apart from, oh, apart, we care, Jack. We'll from, come next from, time. From Let us know. That are involved, <laughs> from the people that are involved. On a on a rainy yeah you know, oh yeah I'm not coming for that exactly we care but mm. it's not you know we're just there to do our best and do our, for our team but we know that when we start I'm really nervous before some of them but once mm. it starts no matter how much you prepare you don't necessarily know how it's going to pan out and I guess the question that I have for you around live television is with things like the right stuff mm. that is a similar way in that it's. I know it's not sport, but you are performing. Yeah. It's, it's a performance, and you're in front of the. It's live. Yeah. It's being um, streamed to you know however many people, mm. million people. 
Do, do you still have that no. apprehension when you go on there? No, I don't. And isn't yeah, that ironic? That's, that's a really interesting thing, I think. But in a way, beforehand I do. Yeah. You know, and I've done live TV, gosh, for the last, what, 15 years. Beforehand, I'm almost sick with nerves. Right. You know, I, I'm, I, I did a show called The Saturday Show, which was a Channel 5 yeah. thing for, you know, um, I stood in for Gabby Roslin and I've done live radio shows, anything like that. Beforehand, I'm really panicking and I feel sick and it's like, ooh. And the night before, I don't sleep properly. But as soon as that red light yeah. goes on, I forget all about it, which is interesting because it wasn't like that when I did the games. Yeah. I didn't just think, right, I'm going to do it. Why do you think I was? I think it's because I told myself I wasn't going to be very good. Right. Self-talk. Yeah. And it's in, you know, even things like, so we, we had to do kayaking. Oh my God. Have you ever tried it? What was kayaking? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> horrific. It's, and we used to have to go to Nottingham yeah. once a day, once a day, once a week. We'd drive all the way up there in January. Wow. You'd put on this wetsuit, you'd stick on this hat, you know, you'd look like a, <laughs> did once say I looked like a, <laughs> like a boiled egg in a condom because I just had this white hat on and this kind of really tight little suit and you'd get in the and obviously going back to the fear of drowning yeah, it's dark awesome. it's cold you'd get in this this kayak you, you'd take off you'd capsize you were so cold you'd have to get out dry off and you'd go home and you'd be like that's like a waste of my day but again ironically I was the only one during all those four um, months of training that completed the course the only one mm. and then on the night straight out so what's that about mm. it's weird isn't it so i mean we're, we're going to bring this back to something that maybe you're a bit more confident around mm. and, and were sort of from the get-go yeah um you know had that potentially i don't know perceived competence and confidence mm. within with the netball with the netball but i was just cool. let me just quickly jump back yeah. to that because it's only it's got this is like therapy it's only now <laughs> Thinking about it, the kayaking, I was first up mm. and it was the first event. Right. And I capsized straight away. There was that one little bit that you had to go down and I flipped. Now I wonder if I'd have got down that course. Nailed it first time. And it was and nailed it, whether my confidence then the the would have given would have grown. Or, or whether it was if it was archery first. I wonder whether any of it's to do with the order of it because I just remember thinking oh gosh I've just done four months of this horrific training where it was cold I got pleurisy at one point wow. um it was horrible mm. and I and I did it and I thought I can do this and then on the night I didn't and then from then on and every single event after that was I didn't go into it thinking I nailed this yeah but I wonder if it had been another event and I hadn't come last I think I think you might be onto something. Oh there. my gosh, this is like therapy. That's what we, you know, a lot of the time say to the kids that we coach. You know, it's along those lines of imagine it going well, also imagine it not going well. So mm. you're ready to cope with it. Yeah. Because because you don't want to be like always oh, gone wrong. I've never imagined this to actually go wrong, but visualize yeah. it going well. It, what can those things? And it's why we do? try and take out, well, not take it out because it's still really important. We've spoken about this in another podcast, haven't we? But it's still really important to have the winning and the losing. Yeah. Um, but with Things like, uh, so something we say regularly to the squad, if, and it's slightly different if you do it in the game, for example, because there might not be that, that you know, many opportunities for you to go white water 
uh, kayaking again. Never but doing we say, it. We say to the children, at the end of the day, if this is a loss here, mm. this game, it's a loss in this game, but you haven't lost at the game of football. Mm. You haven't lost at the game. You know, no one ever wins football. No one mm. ever loses football. It's just a lesson yeah. to take with you. And I think that takes us on to netball, doesn't it? You were a very avid netballer when you were young. Yeah, you? yeah, I loved it. I absolutely that was you know like when you're a kid growing up. That was my sport. You know, right. I found that when I was in year. Um, hold on, what are we year? Do I was in year four, year year four, year five, and year six. So yeah. in those three years that was it you know I I lived it breathed it slept it just mm. I was very tall I was, I've always been tall you know so even as a kid I was a good sort of head and shoulders above everybody yeah. else so yeah I can remember I was goal attack again back in the dark ages we all had one position this yeah, newfangled yeah. thing that you do I can't keep up with but we had one position <laughs> and that was it you yeah. know I was goal attack and I can always remember when we used to go and play other schools we'd all have our sweatshirts on and I'd like on in at the back and I'd take my sweatshirt I mean you could hear him going <gasps> have you seen the size of their goal attack she's huge but but A I loved it but B I worked really hard at it mm-hmm. so every um, every playtime the nets were always out and I would ask to borrow a ball and I'd be there and I used to be able to from anywhere in that semicircle get a ball in mm-hmm. and I loved it it was mm-hmm. such a you know I always had a good aim. I can remember once we didn't have red cards like we do now, but we used to have to go and stand on the mat, which was outside the headmaster's Gosh, office. Right. And I was eating an apple in the playground. And one of my friends said, I bet you can't throw throw that at Miss Tracy. Miss Tracy was the dinner lady and she was the other end of the netball pitch. And I went, I bet I can. And I threw it and it hit her right on the back of the head. And then she turned around and went, who did that? And they all went, Amanda. So I had to go she and stand on the enough, mat. Great throw. Great throw. <laughs> you, should... <laughs> you should be a goal attack. Yeah, get down there. But I loved the whole element of camaraderie. I loved, um, you know, obviously I loved the winning. Um, we should have big tournaments. All of it. It was all, and confidence wise, yeah. Yeah. It seems like you're you're very much a riding off confidence person up until this mm. point at the very you know at yeah. The least. Do you feel like that has changed ever so slightly since yeah. these experiences? Or yeah, I think it's sort of. I think, I you know we were talking before earlier. I was one of those really annoying kids who everything was pretty easy for me. You know school plays I was Mary in both nativities I was Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz I was Wendy in Peter Pan I was the captain of the netball team I was yeah. you know God listen to me but you know I would have really annoyed myself <laughs> but it was always quite effortless it was always quite easy you know Amanda yeah. Amanda's this Amanda's that and then the swimming came which we can talk about mm. at some point so the confidence confidence was just always there. So I wonder where, at what point, one loses that confidence. Because I know, and I know we've spoken about this before, being that invested in, in your netball and really loving it and really taking a lot from it and, you know, learning a lot from it, I know it's very difficult for you when you break your arm mm. in that, was it for a, a, oh my God. a final? It was a tournament. We were a playing. We, yeah. yeah, we were playing. So we were in year five. And we were playing like our arch enemy. Mm. There's always one school, isn't there, that you can never beat. And ours were, ours were, um, they were called Bosom Infant School or Junior School. And they were like the posh kids. Mm. And we were like the council estate kids. So, you know, they used to come in their really nice clean van and they were, they were always brilliant. And they always used to beat us. Mm. And I remember 
when we knew we were going to have to play them. And I think it was in the semi-final of this competition and you could see the big shiny gleaming cup, you know, <laughs> yeah. just goading us going, look what you could have won. Yeah. And we were halfway through the match and their um, goal defence was as wide as she was tall. She was much like a tank. And we both went up for the ball at the same time. And as we went up, I twisted. She fell on top of me and my arm just went... And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I got up and I couldn't, I couldn't hold it. And I then played one-armed for the rest of the game. Wow. But at that point, I looked down and my arm was like an aubergine. Like it had gone purple and it had gone like twice yeah. its size. And my mum was watching at the sideline. And it's funny now, isn't it? Because I think back, God, it, we have changed so much. Like nowadays, you'd be straight off, wouldn't you? Back in the health and safety, whatever, just crack on. And my mum's like, oh, I'm not sure her arm really is quite right. And at this point, I'm like this, like trying to hold the ball and shoot at the same time using sort of one arm. And then the teacher was like, you've got to go to hospital. And I mean, I was just like, no, we can't. And they, and they brought on the substitute. I hope she's not listening to this. It was useless. And um, we lost... Again. So coming back to it, cause, cause it's, <laughs> sorry, I'm not bitter no, or anything. It's, it's really, like, I think, coming back to the whole learning lesson from sport, mm. it's so important. And at the end of the day, you know, netball still carried on. You didn't lose the game of netball. You didn't win the game of netball. Jack, we lost the tournament. It's like exactly. I can't but, even but begin those, to tell you. How did that? Because <laughs> it is a, it is not a nice feeling. No. How did that, or or did it prepare you for any setbacks that? You know, because that feeling, you want to avoid that feeling. You remember yeah. those experience. Did it prepare you at all for any more setbacks later on in your you, childhood career? What, you want to avoid them, but they are inevitable, aren't they? Yeah. And I think, I think it's, you know, age teaches you that there will always be highs and lows. You know, there's always going to be times when you are euphoric, whether it's in sport or, you know, everyday life. There's always going to be times when you're totally winning at life and then there's other times when you're really not and I think I think it's just trying to remember that there will always be you know a better time to come yeah. you know there's going to be I think ironically the biggest lesson that I ever learned as a kid was when we had to start swimming lessons right. um, because as we've we've talked about before I'm a really bad swimmer mm. and for me, that's probably the biggest lesson that I ever learned growing up was that I couldn't be good at everything. Okay, that's interesting. Is that do you, do you reckon that if you had to give yourself advice when you're younger, that's what it would be? Yeah, that you that that you cannot be brilliant at everything. And I, but you know, that's why I think sport is so important for children because you have, and I see it now. I've got two kids of my own. You know, there are lots of children that aren't necessarily academic or amazing at maths or English or struggling with reading but they could be really creative they could be really good at sport you know I have two very different children I mean I sometimes I'm convinced that somewhere <laughs> my real child is somewhere else because I have I have two children Willow is 10 and Lottie is 6 Willow is the arty sporty um it's just there with her, you know, she, everything she she does is, is effortless. Whereas Lottie is far more academic. She's really good at reading. She's the best reader in her class. She's she's really uh, gregarious and outgoing, whereas Willow's quite shy and retiring. So it's very interesting to see how different they are. And I think, yeah, I think that knowing that you can't be good at everything is really important. 
but embracing what you can be good at. And I mean, that brings us nicely back to the netball, the broken arm and Willow, because mm. strangely enough, <laughs> yeah. like a prophecy that also <laughs> yeah. to an extent happened to Willow as yeah. well. So what kind of advice did you give her? So Willow is on her third break now. Um, she broke it when she was five. She broke it when she was nine. And that was in the Borough Sports Day. Yeah. And that was that was horrific, that. And, and I knew exactly what she was going through because up until that point she'd done the standing long jump and that throwy thing with the vortex yeah um and and one other get race or one other sport and then she was doing the 400 meters and i could see her at the starting line and they put too many children up on the line and i was thinking oh god and i wanted to go over to her and because i know what she's very much like me i knew she was going to bolt and I knew she was going to start trying to run fast. And I wanted to kind of say to her, just hold back, give it two or three beats because mm. you've got the stamina to go. Mm. But I couldn't get to her. And when that klaxon went off, she basically, it was like Grand National. She just went, someone pushed and she tripped and, and I could see her doing that. And it was like watching me at the same age. And I couldn't get to her. They wouldn't let me get to her. So I had to walk all the way down. And um, so, yeah. What did you say to her? I said... Well, it's interesting because it's ongoing. Because obviously last year she couldn't do it because she'd broken her arm again. <laughs> so this year, or, or next year, you know, going forward, I would think she'll probably get picked again. And she is panicking about it. She's already said to me, Mummy, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do the borough sports. And I've signed her up for an athletics club because I thought that would help. That would It's at the same track. It's at the Mo Farah track. So I'm thinking that might help her a little bit. I don't want to be that parent that's like, get out on that track, you know, so it's a, it's a balance, isn't it? You don't want to phobia, think, but you also don't want to, you know. Yeah, I think, I think it comes back to it and there's different types of um, reluctance to do, mm. to try something new and whether it be your own perceived conf uh, confidence with it, whether it be, you know, a bad experience, whether, you know, you might think, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm no good at football, so I'm not going to try it for the football yeah. team. And I know that, there was part of Willow that was saying that a few years ago. Mm. And he, and I know that, you know, as you just said, she might be very reluctant to do the athletics. Do you think, you you know, you and Sean have, have helped her in going, just because you might not want to do it, just because you don't think potentially it suits your skill set, let's, let's try, mm. let's do it and give it our all and see where it gets us. Do you think you and Sean have helped her with that? We we try as much as we can, but it's a very fine line, isn't it, when... when when you're a parent, you, you know, I'm I'm so mindful of the fact that I don't want to be one of those pushy, just get out there and do it type parents. Yeah. But equally, you have to give Willow a little bit of a nudge because Willow is, Willow's, if she's good at something, she's all for it. Mm. See, ironically, again, Willow's not great at swimming. Mm. She doesn't enjoy it. And I was taking her to swimming lessons. She can swim. Mm. But I was saying to her, God, it's really, this is like therapy. Um, I was saying to her, if you, yes, you can swim, but you haven't got the stamina. You haven't got the, you know, you, when you take your kids on a Saturday morning, you see the poor little things like plowing up and down, up and down, up and down. And I said, when you go back to school in the, you know, in set, when you start your swimming lessons again, if you don't keep up your swimming lessons that mummy's taking you to, when you go back to school, there's a chance that you won't be in the top group. That's fine. If you don't, it's fine. But, and she wasn't. She was put in the bottom group. And she came home and she was really sad. I've been put in the bottom group, mummy. Really, really interesting to say that because one of my most vivid, vivid memories of 
Oh, you didn't get put in the bottom group. I went to the same school as, mm. as, as Wills did, and Tom and I both went there. One of my, you know, clearest memories as a child was, and I was a crier. Tom, Tom, Tom Toe and Tom Bakima. Well, everything. I'm speaking directly to Ellie Rose here. Tom do, you, do you know in Portsmouth? She reminds me regularly. I know I was a crier. In Portsmouth, <laughs> in Portsmouth, you're called a squinny. Yeah. Have I, you ever heard was, that expression? Portsmouth, you're a squinny. And and I was a crier, and I cried whenever I got subbed off in a game of football. I got <laughs> cried whenever I lost. It, and I cried when because my grandma uh, and she still does with my cousins and my and my younger siblings she used to take us to Teddington swimming baths every, yeah. every week Ugh. and I used to and I used to swim there and get lessons and I remember being put in the bottom group did you cry and bawled my eyes out <laughs> and, and, and that's because my perceived like yeah. where I should be was I mm. associating the fact that well I've practiced loads of this so I should yeah. therefore be the best and I don't know who it was where I where I decided I was going to do it but I made it my, I think it was probably my dad, and we'd come back to Pushy Parents. I mm. think my dad found, and my mum as well, they found a really good balance themselves between pushing me and also going at the same time, you've got to be autonomous. Mm. I really practised at the swimming and yeah. really stuck at it. And it's just interesting, isn't it, with that perceived confidence. Mm. If, if Not fear of failure, I guess, but in terms of comparing, that is what, that's all it was, comparing. Yeah. Do you think in terms of, and I know we've spoken about this in terms of well-being before, mm. do you worry about compare, like if Willow compares herself to other children? She's never been, she never, she's never compared herself. I've never once heard her say, but so-and-so is a much better runner than me or yeah. so-and-so is much better at swimming than me. She's just a natural-born warrior, not right. warrior. I hate those two words. Really, she worries about everything. But what right. if, but what if the, you know, when we're on holiday, but what if the taxi doesn't arrive? And what if we don't get on the aeroplane? And what if we miss our flight? And what if we get there and the hotel's shut? And what if she's, mm-hmm. she has that inbuilt worry about all sorts of things, but equally she's fiercely competitive. So it, it's a very, it's a knife edge. It really is. It sounds, and um, obviously from knowing her, she's very extroverted, but also she would definitely score high on eroticism yeah, on that yeah, yeah. worrying scale. Yeah. Which is brilliant when you when you're able to actually hone those skills because I mean we need more neurotic people around us because we're not, and that means I can hang we... out with you loads. I'm massively <laughs> neurotic. <laughs> so we need people like yeah. my mum and other people. Yeah. Because otherwise we genuinely don't see what's going to go wrong. Right. And you need like. When you when you don't have that, you just think, oh, everything's going to be fine. We'd, we'd fly off. Uh, we'd yeah, fly off and you need people like that. Uh, but I also think a really important thing to teach your children is that their feelings are valid and that it's okay. You know, it, it, it's instead of oh, you'll be fine. Just you know, don't worry about it. Really, love. Is that does it feel really strange? We went not sport. We went to see. Um, we went to a film premiere this weekend, which was all very swanky, and it was at the South Bank in London, and there were you know lots of photographers and paparazzi there, and loads and loads of people and YouTubers that Willow recognised, and and I thought it was going to be an amazing experience. And then we went into London and we did all the tourist things, and ironically, she looked quite quite scared and quite and she just went mummy I'm finding this really overwhelming and I could have gone down two routes there I could have gone down the route of do you realise how lucky you are there's hardly any children that come to something like this you should just you know jolly well or I'm hoping I did the right thing and went yeah it is a bit isn't it you know I totally get it 
the photographers make mummy quite scared and yeah. it is a but look on the bright side we get to see spies in disguise you must go and see it because it's absolutely brilliant i said you know we get to see this movie before anybody else does we're really lucky to be here but i totally understand it it is quite a daunting mm. prospect and the fact that she used the word overwhelming was she must have a good tutor <laughs> she must have an amazing tutor Jack <laughs> but I think it's really important <laughs> when children are scared to recognise and validate that feeling as opposed to just saying to them you'll be fine just get on with it and I think that is one of the most important things or one of the biggest reasons that we do the coaching that we do mm. because it provides such a brilliant vehicle doesn't it to just be a, almost like a microcosm of mm. all the important life lessons we've found that you can just encapsulate in a game of sport, whether mm. it be a training session, a really important match, a friendly, yeah. uh, a game in the playground. Mm. We found that those feelings of being overwhelmed, being worried, being really excited, being really nervous, you know, all of those emotions attached to sport are really, the sport acts as a really good vehicle, doesn't it, to yeah. teach those lessons? Uh, you know, if, if, I, if we didn't have sport, I, you know, we wouldn't. You'd be, be out of a job. Well, yeah, we, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able. I wouldn't be as stable emotionally mm. with all of the turbulent stuff that you, you know, you go through and you yeah. learn from, and then you're like, oh, I've done that before now. Mm. You know, it's almost like a confidence building thing. We, I know that that's gonna feel a bit like when that happened in sport. Um, but it's interesting you were saying about obviously the girls and the. And the balance that you now need to strike with the kids and, you know, the career and the opportunities mm. that you've got. Um, do you want to maybe elaborate on how it is that you balance and, and think about the well-being of your children? Um, well, with, yeah, I mean, in, in the limelight? I've sort of stopped a lot. I mean, it's a place in the sun, for example, which is probably the show that most people would know me from more than, than any of the others. It's a place in the sun... I've, I've given up because I've had to. Um, because my children are more important <laughs> than rolling around a beach and having lovely times in Fiji and Australia. You are more important. Mummy loves you. Um, but, you know, Place in the Sun, I was away for two weeks at a time, three weeks yeah. at a time. So when, I, when my children came along, and ironically, I find now the older they are, the more they need you. And it's not, it's not, they don't need me to get them dressed anymore or, or, or anything. You know, Willow in particular just needs me around. You know, she just needs me in the house. And so with Place in the Sun, you, you're away from, you know, Sunday night until Friday. And, and Sean is away filming as well. So one of us has had to go, hold on a minute, I'm going to have to take a bit of a back seat and, and slow down. So with that as well, so you've, you've slowed down, you've, you've put certain other things in place. What, what do you reckon is something that you've put in place that has really worked effectively to try and assist the well-being of your children and you know, make things balanced other than obviously being around more? Are there mm. any certain routines that you have or any certain uh, conversations that you try and have? I think for Lottie, Lottie's still quite little. You know, I mean, she's six. She's not that little, but she's... Willow's the one that I'm kind of trying to hone in a little bit now. And I'm trying to sort of prep her for the next stage of her life. You know, 10, I guess, for boys is a very different thing than 10 for girls. You know, she'll be 11 next year and I can already see the changes. I can see her starting to grow up. And I am wary because, because she's the sort of child that worries about a lot of things. And there's so much pressure on girls 
nowadays in terms of social media and you know we can go off on a complete tangent now but you know things like you know instagram and airbrushing and all these filters mm. don't get me wrong i love a filter but you know all those sort of filters where you suddenly don't look like yourself mm. and for me now it's because you know we're having can i get an instagram account mummy no can i get no i've become really victorian um and and i am very very wary that i am dealing with this delicate little fragile egg um that I need to look after and nurture and make sure that it doesn't crack. Yeah. Um, but I think the sport for Willow has been brilliant. And actually, as we were talking earlier on, the team events, because that's the other thing that, mm. apart from netball, so my two, my biggest joy in sport was netball and my biggest hatred was swimming. Swimming was an individual event. Yeah. Netball was a team event. And the same with the games. I was on my own in every single event. Yeah. I didn't have a group of people around me that had my back. Mm. Because I remember when you guys did uh, the football tournament with Willow and you were texting us all the scores and things. And, you know, there was one where you won and then you lost and then you drew and then you lost. And, then, and I was like, oh, I wonder how she's going to be having lost. But then when I turned up, she was caught. Cool. She was fine. Yeah, they lost, but... You guys do such a good job of teaching them that it's okay. Mm. It, it wasn't the be all and end all. Yeah. And she had a great day, but that's because she was surrounded by all her mates. And I think that camaraderie that you get as a, as a team player yeah. is massively important. And I wonder whether you need a different personality to be a team player than you do if you're an individual sportsman. I think definitely. Person. I think definitely there are, you know. People who are very keen to be individuals. I, I was really interested by what you said earlier about because I've had the same experience from playing golf. So I play golf in front of my friends, and it's a different ball game. If you play golf, if we play golf as a pair, for example, and I knew that you were what holding the thing at the same time, like <laughs> you're like in Ghost, who's yeah, Demi Moore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be that true. Um, if if we were playing as a pair, and we've done this before, so when we did, um, you know, we did Friday night, and we did the mm. very short Tom and I had to dress up as the ugly stepsisters and it was uh, completely out of our we we knew we wanted to get it right because it was an amazing evening for an amazing cause but we were so out of our depth oh God, you were brilliant you were so good thank you uh, we really enjoyed it didn't we Yeah. and right. I think one of the reasons why we really enjoyed it was because of it was something new for us mm. and it was different and and we were out you know, I do think I was personally out of my depth and there were things that you did and I did last week that I think helped us get through that and coming back to it if we if I was playing you know if we played golf as a pair and I knew that you were anxious or you knew that I knew that you knew that I was anxious sorry I think as uh, there is a massive there is a massive mm. argument for the social importance huge of social importance. yeah and um how coming back to that how did you find because I knew you I knew you were the captain of the netball team if we take it back mm -hmm, yeah how did you find the social aspect of playing when you were younger uh, being the captain is that something that you know you yeah enjoyed? I was I was immensely proud of it I was proud of being the captain but I was also immensely proud of being part of a team right and like we were saying earlier you know that whole camaraderie that you get when you're in the minibus and you're going to front lawn or bosom or wherever mm. it is and you're all together and you all get your sweatshirts on and you're all having a little chat about what's going to happen and mm. all of that was great and and even when we did lose you you still had a group of people inevitably there was a squinny in there a crier which was obviously like a jack <laughs> but there were also you know but we all kind of 
jollied each other up yeah. and you know even things like you know when they do say us croft and and you know we would do um a week where we went to the isle of Wight as a group you know and and everyone sort of got together and and worked as a team and i think it takes a very different personality to be an individual sportsman mm. and maybe that's why you know with the games i wasn't as good mm. well <laughs> i just wasn't as good yeah. but you know maybe it was because i wasn't part of a team yeah i'm i'm gonna segue it here slightly to um your professional career and everything mm. obviously it's you as the you're the amanda land personality but were there when you were say you know what you would deem your your proudest moments in your career mm. was there a network of support there that we've spoken about dealing with the tough times yeah but was there a network of support there with your whoever it may be friends family uh know other people who work in industry mm. who when it was all going really well yeah they helped you and said look this is how uh, you know we're going to help you deal with the pressure or mm-hmm. the, you know you weren't were you on your own or was it a no you know, I've, I've got a very small core of girlfriends that have been with me kind of like you two I guess you know from from day one like my all yeah. my 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 oldest dearest friend I've known since I was 15 and then I've got another friend or another two friends that that I've known recently through my children and then another one that I've known since I was 20 so I have probably about four or five what I would call really really tight close girlfriends right. that are always there yeah. that I can tell everything to which is which is amazing and then I have an amazing mum. You know, I, I was uh, spotted when I was 20, 20 21, uh, by four different model agencies. I, I'd come up to an exhibition in London and four of the big agencies came up and said, we think you'd make a great model. Would you would you be interested? And, and at the time, my dad thought I was mad because I worked in an estate agent in Portsmouth. And my dad was like, you're mad. You know, why do you want to go to London? Why do you want to? And my mum went, go. Here's a little food parcel. I'm always here if you need me. And she taught me, you know, there's a there's an amazing book called The Prophet by a, a guy called Khalil Gibran. And I can't remember the exact quote, but it's basically your children are not your children. They are the arrows from which your bow sends forth. Right. That kind of thing. I.e. you're the bow, they're the arrow, let them go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm, you know, desperately want to do that with my children as well. Because, you know, God, I love my dad. But if I'd listened to him, I'd still be living in Portsmouth. Um working in an estate agent it's not that that's a bad thing but it would have probably crushed me <laughs> whereas my mum was sort of go for it you know if it all goes wrong you can always come back but you have to give it a go yeah um and for the first year it was awful and I was on my own I was up there on my own I, I'd rented a house from a friend I had to clean houses uh, I worked in a bar I did all these jobs because I just didn't earn any money in the first year that I was up there. And I quite often would phone my mum after six o'clock because it was cheaper to call after six than it was before. <laughs> and I'd go, I hate it, I want to come home and I don't like it. Yeah. And and she kind of made me stick at it. So was she sort of like your biggest mentor in yeah. your career? In, in everything, yeah. Okay. She's always been she's always been there for me, you know. She's she's an amazing, amazing woman. She, she, and she never judges, you know, she, she'll never, we shouldn't have done that or I wouldn't have done that or, you know, she, she's always been there from, from year one, you know. And that was the other thing, ironically, thinking about it, talking about, you know, career. When I knew that I was going to have children and I didn't want to miss the parents' evenings, the assemblies, the harvest festivals, which 
um, you know, all of them that I sit through. I, I like sitting through, well, <laughs> some of them I like sitting through. Oh, yay, it's tomorrow, I can't wait. Um, but you watch, I can see Willow and Lottie and they're scanning, they're, you know, they're trying, and then there's that look of like, oh, she's there, phew, yeah. it's all right now, I can, I can, and I, I want, what I desperately want to do is manage to produce two children that I can send out into the world with confidence mm. and an ability to do whatever they want to do. That's that's the plan in any case. I think we've got a a few uh, quickfire quickfire questions to get through, haven't we? I think we have. I think we have. I mean, I was going to start those off with how you define success for yourself. Blimey! I mean, there's quickfire and there's that. That That's not a quickfire question. Um, What's your gut? What's your gut? Happy. I just want to be happy. Right. That's it in the long run. Mm. You know, I think we all try desperately to seek materialistic things, affirmation from other people, you know, we, at the end of the day, I just, for me, I think success is just happiness within your own self. You can have, you know, the best job in the world, you can earn the most money in the world, you can be the best sportsman in the world, but if you don't have that inner stability and that inner core, it's pointless. Yeah. That was not quick fire. I was Sorry. thinking like, you know, Marmite or jam or, oh, you know, tea or coffee. Hi, tea or coffee? <laughs> coffee. Mm. Tea makes me a bit... Fair enough. Um, we'll go through a few. What is the book or books you've most given as a gift and why? There is a book by um, a Spanish author called The Shadow of the Wind. Uh, the guy is Carlos Ruiz Zafon. And it's about a little boy uh, who is lives in a bookshop during the Spanish Civil War and he finds a book and somebody's after the copy and it's all kind of intrigue and suspense and I don't know what it was about it It, I just loved it and I met him once at a at a book awards and I was just oh god I was that really embarrassing fan that just went up and just went oh my god I think you're amazing and then sort of ran off but yeah Shadow of the Wind and The Prophet Khalil Gibran which yeah, I don't know whether you guys have read it, but it's a really good one. I've heard the analogy. I haven't read the book. But do you I know? Heard the so, the, so basically, the book. I know this is quick fire, so I'll try and do it quite quickly. But the book is about a prophet that is on an island, and then a ship comes from his land to pick him up. I don't know where he's been, and I don't know why he's been there all this time. But all the vi- all the people that live on the island are like, "Oh my god, don't leave!" And he says, I am, but before I do, I'm going to tell you about everything. And so there's a a section on um, children, there's a section on death, there's a section on marriage, there's a section on... And there's little snippets, like with the the love and togetherness, there's a bit where it says about be be like trees. So you're separate, your roots are intertwined, but you're two separate beings which is, again, really important. So you can just get little snippets. So, yeah, I would say that, The the Prophet and um, okay. Shadow of the Wind. Um, is there any advice that people gave in your profession that you deeply disagree with? Something that you hear time and time again, you're like, actually, that doesn't work. Oh, my God, that's a really good one. Um, I think there's something in my career that, that I've now learned not to believe anything until it actually happens. Right. Because you will find a lot in TV is that you'll go, oh, God, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to do that. That'd be so brilliant. Yeah, I can. oh, God, this is going to be fine. You know, yeah, we're, I can actually, I can see this, this is going to be a 10-part series. It'll be prime time. And then you can't wait, great, yes. 
and then you never hear from them again. So I think without meaning to sound like, um, I I used to have a friend that used to say, don't expect anything and then you won't be disappointed. I'd be like, cheesy Duncan, you know, lighten up. But actually he's kind of got a point. Mm -hmm. And in my industry in particular, you know, and when I was modeling and in, in TV, you get an awful lot of people that promise you an awful lot of stuff. And if it happens, brilliant. Just don't hold your breath. Mm, sort of a give without expectation. Absolutely. Kind of yeah, absolutely. And and always have a backup plan. I think that's yeah. another one. Manage expectations, yeah. That's interesting. Um, this is a, a biggie. Oh, can I, can I not go back <laughs> to tea and coffee? Let's just keep having tea and coffee. Can I pass on? Uh, if you had one text mm. and it was going to go to every single phone in the world, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Um... And we haven't given you disclaimer. No, 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 warning no. about that. That's that's out of the blue. So, well, without meaning to bring the whole you know thing down, I think what I would probably say to everybody now is, this isn't a dress rehearsal. Hmm. You know, crack on, make the most of every single day that you've got down here. I was just saying to Tom earlier, my mum's been diagnosed last year with uh, myeloma, multiple myeloma. Yeah. So we're kind of like, oh, hold on a minute. And it does make you think, you know, when you're stressing about the fact that someone's nicked your car parking space in the supermarket or, or, or whatever it may be, I would think it would be that, you know, this is not a dress rehearsal. That's, that's Stop a, that's, fannying so about, get on, on with it. I think that's brilliant because I think a theme of this whole conversation has been perspective. How, yeah. how it is that you look at these things mm. you know are you going into it with oh, well, I better not fail I better not fail I better not fail I've failed what do I do mm. or actually I'm looking at yeah. the game of life not just that one tiny game of absolutely life, how that adds up and also you know giving without expectations and um, you know it is it's, it's been quite a stoic almost theme behind it are mm. you into stoicism is that something you've read into well I, no but I think one of the things that we haven't touched on yet is the whole it's the swimming lesson thing that happened when I was nine so bearing in mind we've talked about netball we haven't talked about stool ball yet either we must talk about stool ball um but you know we talked about how netball was my thing and I was really really good at it so I was like and this isn't blowing trumpets I was the best in the school then we started swimming lessons when we were in year five I was the worst in the school, like in the whole school, mm. not just in my class, the whole school. I just couldn't get it. And we used to have certificates. So you'd have one, two and three. I can remember the colours, blue, red and green. And I got the blue one, which was basically getting in and out of a pool and going across a width. Yeah. I never got the other two. All right. And every assembly every week, the teacher, Mr. Day, who was also called Misty Day because he was a magician... Um, he was he was brilliant he used to pull rabbits out of hats at the end of the term brilliant. it was like proper priceless brilliant <laughs> that's why you're always off the house standing right <laughs> he used to stand up and call up people and people would cut and I never got the number two and number three but it taught me a really valuable lesson and that was I couldn't be good at everything and I hated it at the time mm. I felt so humiliated you know really really bad and, and it was because you know, I'd gone from being this sort of star pupil to being someone that that really sucked at it. I mean, I couldn't tread water. All we had to do was tread water for half a minute. Couldn't do it. Mm, I think. So it taught me a real... I would say that's probably one of the most yeah. pivotal lessons that I learned in my childhood. And we've spoken a lot about 
you learn lessons. Mm-hmm. You take, you know, the good stuff away from them. You take not necessarily the good stuff, but the, the bad stuff away and you learn from that. Do you feel like you those lessons have had more of an impact on you or do you feel that actually the most beneficial thing has been the way that you've dealt with these things with Willow and Lottie? So learning lessons almost for them, but still allowing them to fail themselves. Yeah. But going, look, when you do fail, because I've done this before, it's yeah. it's okay. Yeah, and it is. And I think I think what's what's interesting is that the lessons that I learnt myself throughout my life, I can now offer the advice to my children. They probably won't listen because you don't, because your parents are boring and old. But but I can sort of say, I know this isn't going to help. And I have said this to Willow before, you know, I know this isn't going to help, darling, but I do know exactly how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be easier and it will get better. Yeah. So I do know how it feels. Obviously, you know, you don't. How would you possibly know how I feel? Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I try to do as well and this is a learning curve for me, um, is allow them to talk and explore their feelings and not just project. Right. You might have gathered, I am a projector. Um, so sometimes I need to receive. And when you have children, you sometimes learn that you can't make it all better. You can't yeah. wave that magic wand. You can't take away their pain, physical or mental. But what you can do is be there. So mm. If they need to talk to you, they can. Do you ever find it hard... Um, but no, it's actually probably in the long term a good thing mm. to watch. So with Willow, for example, I know it must have been um, really, really difficult, having gone through it yourself as well, to watch her have to sit out with a broken arm. Mm. Do you ever think, take a step back, and with that perspective mm. that we spoke about that I think has definitely run through this conversation, do you ever think, I know, without saying it, going, look, I know this is really difficult for you, Um and I really want to intervene mm. and I really want to just come and say it's going to be all right and make yeah. it all right. But do you ever consciously go, I'm actually not going to, mm. and I'm going to let you work this out that this, yeah. it's your, your yeah. game to play. Yeah, I do. And, and it's, and I'm starting to do it much more now. She's getting that little bit older. Mm. Yeah. Because I think for most parents, you want to make it all right for your kids. You know, you want to take away that pain. You want to like... But I'm thinking I'm not doing my job as a mum if I keep wrapping her up in cotton wool all the time. It's a bit like homework. You know, mm, year, when yeah. she, when you were her teacher in year three and year four, I was on her all the time. Homework, homework, homework. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. Now I go, got your homework sorted? Yeah. Have you done it? No. Okay. And I leave her because I think actually I'm not doing her any favours by standing over her. Yeah. In a way... The only way she's going to learn is if she forgets it or if she doesn't do it or if she gets it wrong or it's no good me helping her. I mean, I'm there if she needs me, although it's Jack well knows fractions and algebra <laughs> stuffed. <laughs> I'm there to help if, if... The answers are in the back, by the way. I know that, but that's cheating, Jack. <laughs> um, you know, I, I now take a step back. I kind of think about it like a dartboard which I know is something's coming up isn't it but I do sort of think about you know my children are in the bullseye and for the beginning of their lives I was right in that bullseye with them and my job is is to slowly move out so I'm on the old double what's it you know I want to be around that double thingy what do you call that bit just yeah, the doubles, just the doubles. Double. I now want to be standing on the doubles 
and allowing them to explore that dartboard themselves. That's, that's, really, that's really interesting because I think I, when I heard about that sort of, I think it might have been Einstein or something who said about, you know, what, what the... What Me and Einstein. Supposed to, a, supposed to be a good teacher is someone who is not needed. Yeah. You know, create create an environment where you're then therefore not needed. People yeah. can go, oh, what would Tom do? Oh, I know what he'd say anyway. Yeah. That sort of environment yeah. is kind of what you want to create in a classroom as well as parenting. And yeah. Moving people forward, so that's really interesting. Um, I think very quickly before we wrap it up, because we've got about five minutes left. Yeah. Um, if you hadn't have done uh, Ruby trying to get in there, isn't oh, Ruby, Ruby, of course, Tom's cat. Um, Ruby Tuesday, of course. <laughs> Ruby Tuesday. Uh, very good about. If you hadn't have gone down the career path you had of, mm. you have. Sorry, yeah. I'm meant to be I'm meant to know how to speak English, being a teacher. Um, if you hadn't have done that, what is there anything that you 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 wanted to have done? Um, no is the answer and I think that's why my life has been quite serendipitous because I had no clue I've always been in awe of people that have, I have a friend that's a shepherd like a proper real life shepherd and from the age of six his parents took him to a sheepdog trial and that was it that's all he's ever wanted to do yeah. he got his first dog when he was kind of eight and he's just that's all he's ever done I've never known what I've wanted to do. Yeah. So I've sort of fallen into every single thing that I've ever done. So if I hadn't, if I hadn't, if I'd listened to my dad and stayed at home, I probably would still be working somewhere in Portsmouth. I don't think I would have travelled very far. Um, and that's why I'm so grateful to the yeah. opportunities that I've been given. You know, I'm sort of coming to the end of, well, not the end, but, you know, my TV stuff sort of slowing down because of the kids and, you know, various bits and pieces. So now I'm like, oh, it's interesting. What am I going to do with myself now? Yeah. But I'm not worried about it because things always seem to just uh, happen, you yeah. know. That's interesting. But I'd have loved to have said, oh, God, you know, I'd really like to be a teacher or I'd really like to be a vet or I'd really like to be a lawyer. But it never, nothing ever sort of, yeah. I never really wanted to do. And I know, it's quite refreshing as well to have a sort of perspective on it that what's happened has happened. Mm. And I'm never going to be very, a swimmer. But <laughs> <laughs> very grateful for the way it's, it's played yeah, out. Yeah, it's been a nice. it's been the most serendipitous, wonderful life up until now. You know, it's all been very, very, and even in the depths of despair, you know, God, there have been dark times, and there have mm. been times when I've you know been thinking, God, what am I going to do in my life? Where's my life going? You know, I'm never going to have kids. Am I going to get married? Am I ever going to? You know, there's been lots and lots of, but I've never lost faith because I've always known that eventually it will pan out. Mm. Okay. Well, in terms of panning out okay, I think that brings our podcast to an end. I think it did pan out okay. I think that was a really, really great, you know, great session. And thanks for coming on. You're so welcome. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know we're going to go out and throw some darts in a minute. For Where, a when you say go out, I thought it was in here. Oh, no, it's in the shed. Don't you worry about it. It's that. in the shed. Oh, yeah. No, we've got a whole little... Whole little we, we, we have got <laughs> the shed ready to go. Oh, uh, is it heated? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not, is it? It is. I mean, depends on what your definition is. Define heat. Well, is it like the Bahamas? That's what I want to know. We hope you have got some value from our team talk. In order to see our three dart challenge, head over to tomajack.co.uk or check out the link in our show notes. Ciao for now.